That's in the Bible, episode 19. Are Christians really nuts? Times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus is coming. Hello, and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric, and joining me today are the Bears. And we're talking about Steve and his son, Jason. Welcome, guys. How you doing? It's good to be here. Doing doing well. Man, Matt's not here today. He's had some computer malfunction, and so he's not able to join us. But as I said to Steve earlier, uh, before we started the show, we will not be sunless. <laughs> because Steve uh, recruited his son Jason, and Jason, you're in from uh, you're taking a little break from school here, right? From uh, Pensacola Bible Institute. That's correct. I got about ten days off and getting a little bit a little bit of a break before I head back for my third year. That's so. cool. Is how long is that? Is that three years? It's a three year school, unless you wanted to go on to get your uh, your master's, which not not a lot of people do that. Uh-huh. So you'll be graduating soon, and uh, any thoughts on uh, what what Lord will have for you next? Well, I have a I have a desire to do some type of full time ministry, but whether that's the Lord's will or not, I don't know. So I'm just trying to be pa- trying to be patient and seeing where the Lord's going to lead me. Amen. Amen. Now, <laughs> are you also a singer? I got the short end of the stick when it comes to that, so I try. <laughs> because uh, lately I've uh, spent a little time at your house, so you weren't there, but it, it's like a organized whole choir. Everybody's got their parts, and you know. And I'll tell you what happened. Well, Jason, I was standing next to your dad once, uh, actually not too long ago, and I, it, was a, it was a hymn that I, I thought I knew pretty well, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to show him I can sing too. So I was kind of singing kind of loud and, we got done, and he turned to me, and, and he didn't say, that was really good, Eric. You know what he said to me? He said, are, are you deliberately trying to throw me off? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve. <laughs> wow. I, uh, no comment. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So anyway, the, you know, I, I just have to fall back and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's, Amen. That's all. Amen. Amen. I do try to do that all the time. <laughs> all i can do but being with the bears is really interesting because they're they're like all like like jennifer i can hear her singing in harmony like just singing hymns in church everybody's like doing these harmony parts and (laughs) i'm like wow i'm just trying to do the melody here these guys are all we kind of have a natural quartet in our family it's amazing (laughs) steve the older he sings bass and i fudge along with the tenor and david sings a really high part so wow yeah, and then I'm left with the the melody, yeah. so somebody's got to get stuck with it. Well, so. you got the boring part then, huh, Steve? Well, you know, we try to change things up. We'll switch it around right in the middle of the song. Somebody else will take lead, and I'll jump something else, and we play around with it. We have a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I, I have to ask, I mean, I know it's been a while. Steve, how, when did you graduate from PBI? I graduated in 1980. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Seasoned, well seasoned. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Jason's right. That was a long time ago. <laughs> so, um, 
And uh, you think things have changed since then, since then, Steve, and your visits there? Well, well, I tell you, you know, things really haven't changed a lot. I mean, they have a few buildings that are different than when I was there, but uh, uh, you know, the te- some teachers are different. But Dr. Ruckman is kind of the the uh, the glue that kind of holds everything together. And same atmosphere. Same atmosphere. Same Dr. Ruckman. I don't, you know, he hasn't changed. He maybe walks a little bit slower, but that's about it. This is crotchety. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. But you said it. I'm a current student, so I can say that. You heard it here first. That was Jason who quoted him. I'm always grass, so I think I could say that. <laughs> well, it's always it's always good to to get back there and and to see the place and and to realize it's still. Uh, you know, teaching the same thing and producing students. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's an advantage that Jason has, Jason and Dave, because they're both going down there, <clears throat> that had that I didn't have. When I went to the Bible school, I'd only been saved for about nine months. And so everything they said down there was brand new to me, and I was <laughs> like a goose in a snowstorm, and I had no idea what I was going getting into. And and I was behind most everybody else because they'd all had his books before and knew a lot of stuff. And, man, everything was new to me. So, you know, these guys have kind of grown up with a little bit of background from me. I, you know, obviously I'm not Dr. Ruckman to be able to teach him like he can. But but at least they had somewhat of an understanding of what's going on as far as the Christian life and the Bible's concerned. So they can really glean some of the the, the deeper things there that and, and even the... The practical things that uh, you know, a lot of people think that all Doc does down there is just give doctrine, 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 doctrine. And you know, mm-hmm. my third year, I, I think I enjoyed more uh, of his philosophy of life and philosophy of Christianity, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just the things that that uh, you know, the practical things that he he was able to to find from the Word of God that was really, really, really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I would consider Dr. Ruckman to be one of the best practical preachers I've ever heard. Yeah, amen. Amen. And uh, while I've never been there or attended, I do have some of his uh, classroom teaching from probably, mm-hmm. what, the late 70s, Steve? And, and uh, it's. They would it's, be my class, yeah, the, the teachings from my class. There's, I still hear some familiar voices in there when I ever get, get a chance to hear some of them. So. And it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear. I mean, and, and just. Just to hear um, kind of the banter and the answering of the questions and things, and and it sounds like he's try- every time that those classes wind up, sounds like he's he's like trying to go home. It's like late at night, and he's like, "Look, guys, we got we got to stop. We got to stop." You know, they, they just keep asking yep. more questions. Is it well, still I like that? Our, your, our, our, no, he changed things a lot. Uh, you know, it used to be free free form. I mean, guys asking questions all the time and right. interrupting them and. And uh, now they kind of schedule it at the end and yeah. keep a pretty tight rein on it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he cut it off pretty much when he wants. Boy, mm-hmm. we had guys down there telling their life story and wanting Dr. Ruckman to make a comment on it. And it was, it was pretty wild. We came there to hear him teach. We didn't right. come to hear some student stories, you know. Right. Now, does he still do chalk talk drawings on weekends or on Sunday? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's uh, normally every other week on a Sunday night, and he alternates Sunday nights with uh, with his associate uh, Brian Donovan. Hmm. Now, who gets those when he's done with those? Uh, normally, 
it's the person who brings the most visitors, but sometimes, uh, he, sometimes uh, whether he forgets to ask or, or whether somebody comes up to him before uh, the service, I'm not sure, but sometimes he doesn't do it that way. So, Jason, you have one year left to go, and this is your uh, this is our request here at That's in the Bible. We need a chalk talk drawing for the That's in the Bible studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you need to convince a whole lot of people from the Pensacola that you need to be my visitors. <laughs> all right. Matt and I have to come down and bring Steve. And, right? We there all have to come down? Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would be a big help. <laughs> all right. We'll work on that. Actually, but if I got chalk talk, I'd be very hard pressed to give it up. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Not even for the studio here. That's in the Bible. Well, unfortunately, Jason won't be able to join with us anymore tonight. And we're just going to have Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to pray about it a lot. <laughs> um, I see how that's going to be. So um, let's see what else we um, and 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 Jason has agreed though, as I talked to him earlier before the show started, to be our man at PBI. <laughs> so we'll be yeah. we'll be checking in with him from time to time, street reports. And uh, when do you think you'll be able to get your first live interview with Dr. Ruckman for us? Well, you know, um, I'll have to pray about that one, too. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of prayer going on down there. <laughs> He's not the easiest guy to corner, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Well, the easy way out is, you know, I'll pray about it. That's <laughs> I've learned that one really easy. I figure you're mowing his lawn. Maybe we could slip a little portable recorder on you. Stop the lawnmower for a minute, knock on his door. You any lemonade? <laughs> All right, just He'd be kidding. liable to tell his German shepherds to go sick. And get yeah. sick. <laughs> well, what else? See, we were able to also go to um, a Bible conference here uh, in central New York. At, right. Uh, was it Clarendon? Is that what it's called now? A couple well, Clarendon or Holly, somewhere around there, just uh, west of uh, Rochester. And that's at Old Paths. What's the rest of that? Is it Bible Church or Bible Church? I think I'm not. I couldn't tell you honestly. I just know it as Old Paths. <laughs> it was a great experience, though. The people at the church time. were wonderful and very friendly, and uh, we got to hear. Um, I was there from uh, Wednesday until Friday and heard uh, James Knox preach and teach, and it was good. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. And, yeah, uh, I heard him uh, Thursday night and uh, Friday morning. And that so was good. And that was, uh, I mean, I listened to a lot of his things from his website before and, and appreciated it, but to, then to hear him in person. And, and I think the combination of, I mean, that's all we had time for was preaching. And then the cool thing was then on Wednesday was Wednesday evening, and then Thursday was Thursday morning. Then we went street preaching all together, a lot of us. Um, to Buffalo, which was like an hour and a half away, and we drove back. And then you, by the time you got something to eat and got ready again for church in the evening to hear uh, James Knox preach again, and then on Friday we um, went Friday morning for he preached for an hour, and then we went uh, to Rochester, and Steve right. joined us for that one right. for street preaching, and then we went back uh, for Friday evening church again. So it was like. I, I, that might have something to do with it too, right? The uh, just that full effect. Your heart is like really <laughs> saturated oh, yeah. with the word, and that's all you're doing. You're not, you know, having to worry about the everyday things of your normal, you know, life, uh, whether it's a job or whatever it is that you're doing around the house. Because we stayed, we stayed in Rochester for that, and yeah. um, that was just really good. <laughs> I mean, it was. I think the. Uh, 
kind of that faith in action, you know, we're not just going to sit around in here preaching, but now we're going to go do something with it. And, yeah. And well, it was, it was a real blessing to go down to Rochester with that because there were a lot of different groups that wasn't just uh, people from old past that were there, but I guessed, you know, maybe you can give me a better estimation, but I guess between 75 and a hundred people that went down yeah. uh, and we sang and they preached on the street and we passed out tracks. Uh, people had signs some people had uh, sandwich boards, and obviously uh, tracks were passed out. It was hard to find a place where there wasn't somebody, <laughs> you know, handing out tracks and so forth. And uh, finally, was able to. F- I, I personally was able to find a, a little park where a bunch of guys uh, uh, doing some uh, construction in one of the buildings were, were having their lunch break. There were probably about 20, 25 guys out there, and and uh, handed out some tracks and. One guy uh, made comment about the sandwich board that I had on there and says, the ungodly. So who's the ungodly? You know, <laughs> and it started a conversation. And, and uh, <clears throat> that led to some of his buddies, you know, mocking and laughing. And one guy came over with a digital camera and wanted to take the picture of this guy with me and the sandwich board. And, and uh, but still was able to get uh, a gospel witness out. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, got to the point where we're going to get into the, the the gospel itself. We'd already gotten through some things about sin and about works and and uh, uh, religion and so forth. But he wanted to kind of cool, uh, cut it off a little bit. But it, you know, in that presentation, there was probably within earshot probably about ten, fifteen guys that heard me talk to him. So I wasn't just talking to him; I was talking to the others. And uh, you know, that was that was just really cool I, I was watching my daughter dealing with some some people on the street and she's a chip off the old block she gets animated just like i do and and it was a lot of fun watching her and my wife and and uh, her dealing with people and it was just a real blessing we came back we weren't able to go to the services that night because uh, uh we had uh, obligation at city mission and uh took about nine guys down with us to charity mission or city mission i'm sorry and uh brother and the lord preached did a good job in preaching and and had some guys stay after for some for prayer one guy in particular wanted to know more about uh, salvation and uh he eventually trusted the lord as his savior but he was uh it was it was kind of funny that some of us uh were participating in in uh kind of tag team evangelism if you understand what i mean mm-hmm. and that everybody else was on their knees and praying and and uh uh even with some some not so much a- objections but uh you know just last minute questions that might have thrown the thing off uh, uh were able to get those taken care of and he trusted the lord as the savior so amen. that was a real blessing real blessing amen and Jason, uh, you mentioned just a little bit uh, before we started the show that you uh, have been doing some street preaching here. Yeah, actually, I, I managed to get out in Buffalo for the first time uh, and get some street preaching done on, on Main Street. And uh, it, was a, it was a little bit of a different experience for me because in Pensacola, the majority of our street preaching is done on street corners at stoplights preaching to uh, cars and open windows and such like. Um, and what what you do there basically is a 30-second is a to a minute long 
little sermonette, and you just get three or four verses together and kind of get it, get it, maybe preach on hell or preach on the person's sins or preach on the judge, uh, the the white, great white throne judgment or something like that, and and you don't have to be very long. Um, but uh, when you're preaching on the on the street, maybe in front of some people instead of in front of the cars where the green light's going to happen at any time, it's a little bit different because you kind of have to have a five to ten minute thing, and your your thoughts have to be a little more organized. And and uh, it was fun though. I was able to uh, kind of preach to the lunch crowd there, and it was kind of funny to to watch all these uh, dignified uh, business people. Part in the Red Sea as I start preaching. <laughs> this big, large crowd starts going, and all of a sudden I preach, and they're getting as far away from me as I possibly can. And and uh, that just tells you a little bit about what the Word of God, what the what the world thinks about the the Word of God nowadays. Yeah, amen, and they, have, they have no desire toward it. And, amen. And uh, so uh, it was a blessing to be able to do it. I lost my voice. So I definitely wasn't doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to use your diaphragm a little bit more, but oh well. I get kind of get caught up in the moment sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Sounds good though. <laughs> And if you want to see some uh, pictures of what uh, Steve and I did uh, in Rochester and uh, some other pictures from Buffalo, we have a new page up on the website. Did you know that, Steve? No, I missed it. That's in the Bible.com I added the other day. It's, um, it's called News and More. And I, what we hope to do with that page is the things that, you know, really aren't so connected to the uh, individual episodes and lessons that we bring, but maybe just some behind the scenes and some of the other things that we're doing in our, in, in our own uh, Christian uh, service and walk. Um, so I, I put together a little bit of a uh, collage of pictures from, from that uh, James Knox time. So take a look at that when you get a chance. And... Um, Keep an eye on that page. We'll be adding more things like that. So, I think uh, what we'll do now is we're going to go for uh, for our quote of the day, and uh, Jason is going to bring us our quote of the day. All right. Well, the quote of the day is going to come from a man called Bob Jones Sr., and he is uh, the closest, I guess, as you would call a Christian philosopher. Um, and he is known for his uh, his wisdom, words of wisdom and his quotes. And, and this quote is, uh, is, The man who is a success in this life is the man that finds out what God wants him to do and does it. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a lot of truth to that. I don't know if most uh, lost people would readily agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah. you know, no. Uh, not at all. <laughs> Their philosophy is the the guy with the most toys wins. Yeah, that's where the love of money is the root of all evil. Kind of comes in play. They don't mm-hmm. care about God's will. They just care about the Almighty Dollar. But really, if you're in God's will and doing God's will, what what better place to be? And, Amen. and that really is success. Oh, yes, yeah. it's the safest place to be. Also, sometimes though, I. Uh, I mean, even in my own life, I fall short of that mark. You know, I know what his will oh, yeah. is, and I, I know what I should be doing, and I, I often, more than I care to yeah. admit, don't don't always follow yeah. through with that. But I know that when I uh, when I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I feel so much better. You know, you mean just feel like oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to explain, but you have a certain peace that goes with that. That. When you're not walking with the Lord and you're, you yeah. know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's just it's not as it's just not as good. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, 
you were mentioning about the the lost world and and the world in general. Uh, even Christians fall into this this category where they they uh, associate success with position in life, uh, with uh, a house, things. material material things, right? Uh, money, you know, their income, their, the prestige of their job, and and all of those kind of things. And and God doesn't look at success that way. Um, God looks at success in, in how you live for Him and what you're doing for Him. And, and uh, you know, uh, there are even Christians that are out doing things, but there may not be the things that God wants them to do. I, th- I think of the scripture that's in Joshua, probably most, most Christians know where this at, <clears throat> but it's found, <coughs> excuse me, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, this is the book of the law, shall not depart out of, the, out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That's where success is really generated, is, is obeying, reading and obeying the Word of God. And, and uh, God promises to bless the man that does that. Amen. And there's and there's certain things that the Bible is very clear as far as the will of God is. He'll say specifically what the will of God is, like free fornication and and uh, giving thanks. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so there's certain things uh, as far as our future. It's sometimes it's kind of hard to, to to tell what the will of God is. But there's several things that I think sometimes we fall short of on the will of God. And that's very clear in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one one more thing. Let me add this. You know. Uh, in in the world's pursuit for success, uh, oftentimes, you know, the Bible talks about it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God than to camp for a camel to pass or go through the eye of a needle. And, you know, we see it when we go out on door-to-door visitation. My wife's been going out an awful lot here lately, and she's uh, she's just noticed those in very affluent uh homes and so forth, they don't want to have anything to do with it at all. They don't want to talk or anything. And of course, they lose sight of the fact the Bible says, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, the riches and the the drive for success in this world's uh, view, oftentimes what it does is it damns their soul because they're so interested in getting things that they lose sight of the fact that they've lost their soul, and uh, they shouldn't shouldn't do that. They ought to pay attention. You know, <clears throat> that verse always strikes me. I mean, what should a prophet a man if he should gain the whole world? I mean, God's talking about if you had all of the wealth of this world in your possession, it's not worth your soul. That's right. And it kind of gives you a reality check as to what God thinks of possessions and things and what he thinks of your soul. It kind of reminds me of a, another quote that kind of goes right <clears> with <throat> it. It says, he is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Amen. And that's, that has to do with where your priorities are and what you're, what you're going after. Amen. That's good stuff. So uh, before we get into our lesson of the day that Steve's going to be bringing us, are Christians really nuts? <laughs> a little, little pr- provocative title. And I, and I know that when we talk about street preaching and things, and people see us out there, some some folks probably do 
<laughs> use words like that about Christians. But before oh, yeah. we before we get to that, I just have a one more thing, Jason, about uh, PBI. What, what what kind of experience have you had there? How has it been? I have I have had a uh, an experience that has drawn me closer to the Lord. I'm um, I think I've always had a desire to serve God, but I. Um, the thing that I've seen most, I think, down uh, down there is uh, is the relationship. More than just doing things, the relationship is more than just um, going out and doing things. But I think the Lord uh, wants that relationship, that personal relationship, more than He wants the things. And the things will happen if you have the relationship first, uh, right first. So, uh, with prayer and reading and uh, and just fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ, I've really learned a lot um, that I've attained by any means. But uh, I've learned a lot about that just by watching people and by uh, trying to do it more myself. So Amen. it's been a blessing. Amen. And we're hoping that, um, I know you're going back to school here soon, but maybe we can uh, somehow work it out that you can join us now and then. When we well, I just together. recently got a computer, so by the grace of God, uh, if it's the Lord's will, I'd love to do it again. Amen. That'd be great. So what we're going we to do? We haven't turned him off. Eric. We haven't turned him off, Eric. <laughs> no, not yet. And, Wait till uh, Matt comes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. How huh? all four of us. And now, when, uh, when Matt tries to talk about uh, playing can jam and all that kind of stuff, and give me a hard time. But <laughs> see, now I can take advantage of him. He's not here to. <laughs> so. I'm sure he'll be listening intently as soon as uh, this good. is put up, right? Uh, but Steve won't be so outnumbered, you know. Steve, Matt and I against Steve sometimes, the way it turns out. <laughs> Amen. We, we we never did get David on the show, did we? Your other son? Uh, he was going to try, and uh, he had uh, other priorities at the time. I won't go into what they are, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, how old is he? Dave. Yeah. Uh, he's um, twenty two. Yeah, well, I think we know what those priorities are. <laughs> he's turning twenty two in October. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, Steve, are you ready? Well, if uh, I keep from coughing, uh, I'll be all right. So, yeah, we'll give it a shot. <clears throat> all right. Well, we're now going to uh, go right to our lesson, Are Christians Really Nuts? And Steve, take it away. Well, guys, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, it's it's a joy to have my son by my side in Studio B. Uh, so uh, uh, it's a real joy to have him here and uh, to be able to to do something here with him on this thing and doing a podcast. Uh, Eric was right. The title is correct. Uh, are Christians really nuts? And, uh, you know, you may wonder, what, what in the world are you talking about, Steve? Uh, I have people accuse me of being nuts all the time, guys at, at work, because of the way I live, because of the things I do, because of the things that I don't do. And when uh, a, a, an un, unregenerate world looks at you and they see those things, they they kind of they know it's different, and uh, it's odd and peculiar to them, and and therefore their terminology for that is it, and you're nuts, you're nuts. Um, when a Christian stems against the tide and doesn't follow the status quo according to the world, the world will call him nuts. But uh, what I want to try to do is I want to 
maybe a little bit different focus on aren't Christians really nuts? <clears throat> and that's, uh, that's from this perspective. When I first trusted Christ as my Savior, some things were taking place in my life that I just didn't really know what was going on. I mean, uh, I didn't have this kind of trouble when I was lost. But when I trusted Jesus Christ, part of me wanted to go in one direction, and part of me wanted to go in another direction. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was just a new Christian. And uh, really, for the first three, four months of my Christian life, I didn't really have anybody that was, would set me down and disciple me and show me some things out of the Scripture, the uh, things that I needed to know. Because, you know, there was, uh, there was a struggle going on on the inside of me. And little did I realize that it was the spiritual warfare taking place. But uh, finally, after a period of time, a guy sat down with the Bible and started showing me some things. And one part of me, like I said, wanted to go in one direction. The other part wanted to go the other direction. And both parts had different goals and different objections. If you feel like that, if you've experienced that before, I want you to know that you're not alone. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to pick it up in verse 15. And, and, and this is just for reading's sake. It's kind of difficult to read. But I, I, want, I want to try to take a little bit of time and just read through it. And hopefully you'll understand. If you want to follow along, we're in Romans chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. <clears throat> he says, For that which I do... I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, there is no more, now, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I, would, that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, uh, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, if I could really just capsulize what I just read there, it would be this. Paul was struggling with the two natures, if you will. And he thought he was going nuts. I mean, there's one part of him that wanted to do the right thing, but when he wanted to do the right thing, he ended up doing the wrong thing. And when he knew he, he didn't want to do the wrong thing, he ended up doing it anyway. You know, he was just struggling back and forth, and it was an internal struggle. 
And it got to the point where he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he obviously recognized that the the victory is found through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just to confirm that again, go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, let's pick it up in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. What you have going on inside of you, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior is you have a battle going on. There are two natures in you. You have the old nature that is a rebel. He is hopelessly bad. It is at enmity with God. This nature that you received, you received it from birth from Adam. Now, it's hopelessly bad. I mean, it, uh, it always wants to do wrong. It always wants its way. It never wants to give in. It is a, <laughs> you, you have a, uh, something inside of you that is just relentless. It will not give up. Like I said, we, this nature is received from Adam by birth. Take a, look, <clears throat> take a look in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. One more time. Take a look in uh, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I want to focus your attention on that first phrase there. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That old nature, that old man, was given to us by Adam. That sinful, wretched man was given to us by Adam. All of us have it. If you're born of woman from the seed of men, you have that old nature passed on to you. Just a little sidelight, that is the reason why Jesus Christ had to be virgin born. He could not be from the seed of Adam. That's why the Bible calls it the woman's seed instead of Adam's seed. And therefore, he was not contaminated with the sin that is passed on to each successive generation from Adam. That way he could live the perfect life and make the sacrifice for you and I. Now, God's estimation of the old nature is anything but good. Just to give you a verse on that, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, many Christians know this verse. It says, the heart is, <coughs> excuse me, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that's what God thinks of us. That's what God thinks of our heart. It's desperately wicked. It's not just wicked. It's desperately wicked. And you know the hard thing is, is that mankind has a hard time accepting God's view of man. He doesn't like it. He doesn't see it that way. 
You know how, how man sees himself? He sees himself as being basically good. If you get out on the street and you talk to people, if you get a conversation with them and you ask them what they, what they think of mankind or somehow in the conversation it'll come up, we say, well, I think man's basically good. You, I've gotten that hundreds and hundreds of times. See, man sees it from this perspective. He doesn't look at it from God's perspective. He sees it from his own perspective. He sees that in mankind, they can be moral, they can be polite, they can be cultured, they can be fair and honest, they can be kind, well-mannered, they can even be religious. And to man, that's good enough. But God sees it totally differently. He sees it way differently than that. <clears throat> I've read this verse before, these verses here, but I want to read them to you again just so that you get an idea of what God's estimation of man is all about, what he thinks of the old nature. It says in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, we'll start in verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongue, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You see, that's what God thinks of man. He doesn't think of him as being basically good. He thinks of him as wicked, ungodly, selfish. Uh, if he could get away with murder, he'd get away with it. He'd do it. Do it in a heartbeat. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. It says, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air. Of course, that's the devil. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also ye had, uh, we had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now that's what our old nature is like. But let me, let me hasten on to the new nature. The new man is wholly good, it's at peace with God. It seeks to please God, and it's totally controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, I read Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 2 and 3, but go up to verse 1. It says this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That quickened means made alive. You had a dead spirit before. We've gone through this in other podcasts in the past. But you, were, you had a dead spirit because of Adam's sin. When you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, that dead spirit is made alive. That's what it's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened 
who were dead in trespasses and sins. Jump down to verse 10. <clears throat> Talking about the Christians. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Take a look in verse 13. But now, in Christ, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that did these things for us. And we are now his workmanship. Take a look um, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 says in verse 4, whereby are given uh, unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, I want you to see some things here. We talked about the old nature. We've talked about the new nature. But I want you to see the position of the old nature. Take a look in Romans, Romans chapter 6. The position of the old nature is that it is dead. It is dead. Your spirit was made alive, but your flesh is dead. The old man is dead. In Romans chapter 6, <clears throat> in verse 6, it says this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, For I am, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Now, our position, the position of the old nature, is that we are dead in Christ. You know, if you take a, a corpse and put it in the ground, you can, you can adorn it with all the riches and all the, the uh, world's possessions, and it's not going to do a thing with them because it's dead. You can entice it with all the sinful pleasures of this world, and it's not going to do anything with them, because it's dead. And that's the thing that God's trying to get across to us. Our old man is dead, and we need to leave it alone. The old man wants to sin. The old man wants these things. And God's saying that we're dead, and we don't need those things, so don't give in to it. The new man, the new nature... Uh, the position of the new man is that it is alive. It is alive. Take a look in Ephesians chapter 1. It's not only alive, but it is in Christ. Our position is in Christ. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, this, may be a, this next scripture may be kind of an unusual place to get it from, but it says it very well. Go to uh, uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Jesus Christ is praying to the Father. 
and in verse 20, it says this, Neither uh, pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Now, do you realize that he's talking about us? Jesus Christ is praying for us, and this is what he's praying. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world uh, may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 23, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Do you know what our position is in Christ? We're in Jesus Christ. We're in God the Father. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, this is where we get kind of nuts. <laughs> this is the dilemma. This is the paradox. Now, the Bible's told us that the flesh is dead, yet it talks to me. It tells me I'm hungry. It tells me I'm thirsty. It tells me I'm cold. It tells me I'm hot. It wants to satisfy itself with all kinds of sinful pleasures, and we could enumerate them until the cows come home uh, to be milked. I mean, it's just, they're innumerable. The flesh is bent towards sin. It wants to sin. But the paradox is that at the same time, same time, I'm a Christian, while all that is going on in my flesh the saved man in me is this, the new man. The spirit in me speaks to me uh, that I ought to live right, that I ought to go to church, that I ought to read my Bible, that I ought to pray, that I ought to please God, that I ought to worship him, that I ought to crucify the flesh, that I ought to tell the flesh no. They are warring against each other for possession of my body to do with it what it wants. The flesh wants me to listen to it. The spirit wants me to listen to it. And it's all going on at the same time. That's why when I was a young Christian, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I had no idea. Here the, the spirit of God inside of me is telling me I need to do these things. And, and now that you're saved, you need to do this. You need to give up this. You need to do this. You need to give up that. And the flesh says, uh-uh. We've been doing this for too long. I want to continue to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. Don't listen to that spirit. And the spirit is telling me, don't listen to the flesh. And this warfare is going on inside of me. And I'm, <laughs> I didn't have a clue what's going on. There's times I, I would fail. And I'd give in to the flesh. And my spirit would groan within me. And I'd feel disappointed. And I'd feel heartache. And uh, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I thought I was lost. I thought I lost my salvation. Little did I realize that this paradox is going on inside of me. Now, the answer, without being overly simplistic, is found in three words. Three simple words. Now, here are the words. You want to write them down. 
the word in, the word after, and the word yield. The word in, the word after, the word yield. Now go to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. I want to I read you some, a portion of Scripture. And I want you to listen for some of those words that I, that I mentioned. In Romans chapter 8, let's begin in verse 6. For to be carnally minded, that's the old man, worldly, fleshly. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please, the God, please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell, dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Hallelujah. Praise God. One day it's going to be all over. And the Lord Jesus Christ uh, sent by God the Father is going to come and he's going to quicken our mortal bodies. But I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice I said in. Take a look in verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, he's going to explain that in the next verse, verse 9. Now, he's talking to the Christians, those at Rome. Paul's talking to them, and he says, but ye are not in the flesh. So what he's saying is, is a Christian is not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So a Christian's not in the flesh, but he's in the Spirit. Here's the qualifier. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So if you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If you are in the flesh, notice verse 8, you cannot please God. You know what that is? That's a lost man. A lost man is in the flesh. His position is in the flesh. The position of a Christian is in Christ. It says in verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. See, there's a lot of people that confuse these things. If you just read your Bible and read it carefully, it makes perfect sense. A lost man is in the flesh. A saved man is in the Spirit. 
Now, the practice of a saved man can be walking after the flesh or after the spirit. Now, notice what I said. It's not in the flesh or in the spirit, but he's walking after the flesh and after the spirit. This has nothing to do with his salvation. This has to do with his walk in the Lord, his walk in Christ. Take a look in verse 12 of Romans 8. Now, we've just gone through that and, and found what a real saved man is. He's in Christ. Therefore, it says this, and the, uh, the word I just said, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. <clears throat> now, that kind of brings to, to light verse 1. I, I didn't go start out with verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 because there's some controversy with that verse. But now that we understand some things, we can go back to that verse and gain some understanding. Go to Romans chapter 8, and it'll coincide with what we just read in chapter, verse 12 and verse 13. <clears throat> therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, notice what it says there. There is therefore now, not future, not past, but now. There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, if you walk after the Spirit, there's no condemnation implying that there is condemnation for a Christian if he walks after the flesh. And that is a true statement. There is condemnation that happens. But that condemnation is not eternal. It's, it's, it's like this. You remember what it says, I believe in Galatians 6, it says, He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. That sowing and reaping will take place. If I sow to the flesh, let's just take an example. If, uh, if I drink heavily alcoholic beverages, and I drink and drink and drink and drink, and I'm a Christian, and I shouldn't be drinking, but I'm drinking anyway, you know what? God could very well give me cirrhosis of the liver. That would be a condemnation that I die of complications from an act of which I'm trying to satisfy the flesh. So if I walk after the flesh, I should have some condemnation. But if I walk in the Spirit, there is no temporal condemnation. You know, if you take a look at the whole context, if you go back even into chapter 7, and all those verses that I just read you uh, previously, that whole context is dealing with the two natures. It's not dealing with salvation. It's not dealing with salvation at all. Now, the other word that I mentioned was yield. Yield. And yield gives you the, the implication that it's a matter of choice. 
It's a matter of choice. Go to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> We're almost done. Romans chapter 6, pick it up in verse 11. Likewise reckon, or consider, consider it to be so. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Don't give it control, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You see, you have a choice. You can either give control to the members of the flesh to unrighteousness and to sin, or you can give control unto God and live in the Spirit and walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Take a look in verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Again, it's a choice. And the matter, it's a matter of yielding. Whether you're going to yield to the flesh or whether you're going to yield unto the Spirit. One more. Well, I lied. Two more. Romans chapter 6, verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. That's what God wants you to do. You're settled. You've got the salvation thing settled. You're in Christ. Your position is taken care of. There's no way you can lose your salvation in this dispensation. But you do have a choice as to whether you walk after the flesh or after the Spirit. All depends on who you give control to. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You, you need to remember that you are in a spiritual warfare. And because of that, I make this admonition. Be careful who you feed. Be careful who you feed. There's a little illustration I, I give to, to try to help people understand this principle. You have two dogs. Let's say you've got a German shepherd who symbolizes the flesh. And you have a little Yorkie that symbolizes the spirit. And if you were to allow these two to come in contact with each other, let's say their chains were, were just long enough that they could come and meet each other and do battle if they wanted to. I don't think there's any, any doubt in anybody's mind that if the two met together, the German shepherd would have it in one bite. One bite. That's all it takes. 
But I'll tell you what, if you took that German shepherd and you didn't feed him, and you didn't feed him, and you got him past the mad and angry stage where he's ready to bite anything, and now he's, he's just there, just skin and bones, he can't even get up, he's, he's wasting away, and you fed that Yorkie, and you fed him, and he's in good health, and he's spry, and he's, and he's ready to, 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 to do battle, and you let those two dogs come in contact with each other, as much as that German shepherd by size should be able to take care of it, because he's not been fed, because he's emaciated, he can't even win. The Yorkie wins hands down. Now, let's put that in a little bit different perspective. You trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and now you've got the conflict going on. You have no idea what's taking place on the inside of you, but you've got, you know that, that the Spirit's trying to tell you one thing and the flesh is telling you another. And in my case, I fled the flesh, I fled the flesh for 22 years before I trusted Christ. And he was strong. He was real strong. And any time the Spirit and the flesh did battle, my flesh generally won. Because it was stronger because I'd been feeding him for 22 years. But as I grew in my Christian life, and as I began to feed the Spirit, all of a sudden uh, the, the two sides were, were equal. And as time passed, and I continued to feed the Spirit, and I didn't feed the flesh, then it was easier to get victory over the flesh. Now, I must confess there are times when, when the flesh still gets the best of me. As was also confessed by the Apostle Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am, <laughs> who should deliver me from the body of this death. There are times I still, I, I hate to say it, but I still give in to the flesh. But that doesn't preclude me from feeding the Spirit. So my admonition is this, don't be discouraged and don't quit because you fall into sin from time to time. The only thing is, you've got to remember that you've got to feed the Spirit more. You feed the Spirit more than you feed the flesh, and you'll have victory in Jesus Christ, and you'll sin less, and you'll glorify God more. My final admonition to you all is to fight on. Don't give up. That spiritual warfare is going on all the time, 24-7. You've got to engage that battle. And uh, really, I mean, we have two things going on inside of us. So <laughs> in a sense, we are crazy. We've got a split personality. But uh, we can get the victory. All we need to do is fight on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thanks, Steve. And uh, that, that was good. I mean, I... I think even as saved Christians, uh, that that war sometimes does take us by surprise. And I, I would think that those that have not um, studied this out, that uh, don't realize that we have two natures, um, they they possibly could even doubt. Hey, can I can I possibly be saved? And I right, you know, thinking thinking these thoughts and wanting to do these things that that you know I shouldn't you know I shouldn't want to do. Should I? I mean. I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. Why can I? How can I be thinking of these things? You know, right, right. So I think that's going to help recognizing that. That. Amen. that uh, 
Well, you know, there's a lot of people that have given up. I mean, they've gotten saved, and, and uh, you know, they've, uh, as some guys say, they gave this Jesus thing a go. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to be facetious in that, but I think you understand what I mean. Right. And they, they've trusted Christ, and they, they've, they're going to church, and they're trying to read their Bible, and they're struggling along, and they're dinging along, and they're, they're not making as much progress as some of the brethren would demand that they make. And they get disappointed with things, and they, they figure, you know, how can I be saved and do some of the things that I'm doing? And, and, uh, and, they, and they just give up, and they quit. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, if they could just realize that they're in a spiritual battle, yeah. and that, uh, you know, the devil's going to get the best of them from time to time. I mean, he's, he's done it to the best. I mean, he's done it to David. He did it to Abraham. He did it to Moses. <laughs> I mean, you know, who are we among those guys? You know, so, I mean, he did it to Paul. Uh, he tried to do it to Jesus Christ, but he didn't give up, give in. But, you know, just take heart, keep going, keep pressing on, keep reading your Bible, keep praying, keep going to church, you know, do the things that are right. And, uh, you know, the, what does it say? The just man falleth seven times and riseth again. Amen. Yeah. So uh, we are just in Christ. We are justified. And so that, that verse can apply to us in many ways. So you just, when you fall down, you got to give up, get back up. I, I always think about the hymn that has the lines, uh, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Mm-hmm. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone feel to it. leave Prone the, to God, leave I the God I love. Amen. You know, you, and you, Amen. you sing that and you think, yeah, that's, it's talking about me. <laughs> yeah, amen. How'd they know that? Guilty. <laughs> Prophesying. Yeah. And uh, in many ways, I'm my own worst enemy. You know, that the heart is deceitful above all things. And, yeah, you know, and well, desperately you, wicked. You know, you can get away from the world at times. Uh, and, and the devil is an omnipresent, so you know, he's not always knocking on your door. But the flesh you have with you always. Yep. And uh, he is your ever-present enemy. And he can speak to you from within and without. And he doesn't give up. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, thanks again, Steve. Amen. Jason, Jason, anything else? Uh, just, it was a blessing to, to hear that because <laughs> I think he was preaching at me there. <laughs> that whole battle of the new man and the old man. <laughs> It gets tiring. It gets tiring after a while, and it does. Really, if if nothing else makes you look forward to the rapture that much more. Yeah, <laughs> amen. Amen. It'll it'll be amazing, won't it? When we uh, will have the mind of Christ, and we won't be prone yeah. to wander. I think That's, of the song uh, "Sweet Hour of Prayer" when it says, "You know, this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise." <laughs> mm-hmm, amen. To seize the everlasting prize. Amen. Yeah, that's, amen. that's a, that's a hope, blessed hope. <laughs> amen. It is. All right, well, I'm going to uh, start the outro music, which is the, believe it or not, same as the intro music. <laughs> and uh, It's been great having you, Jason. I haven't, uh, haven't seen you in a long, long time. I can actually see it through Skype on the video camera, so kind of cool to yeah, see you again after all this time. And uh, it's good, good to have you and, on the show. And... and uh, I know uh, Steve must be uh, well pleased. I am. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord is right. <laughs> I never say that P-R-O-U-D word anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll be checking in with Jason, our man at PBI. He'll give us all the current happenings and and uh, all the doings of going on. We'll have to smuggle you in a little digital recorder. I don't know what we're going to do there. Amen. So, uh, Amen. Get you, Amen. get you to do that. Well, thanks again, guys, for for coming on. And um, I know Pastor Strobel has mentioned that he's going to be coming on here soon, too. And it, he has a son down there, right? PBI now, too, also, doesn't he? Doug Strobel. Actually, he's in my class. Is he? Yes, he is. All right. So we'll, we'll have like a reunion gathering here or something at PBI. And fathers and sons <laughs> Amen. well I've got a friend by the name of Peter who wants to join me sometime or join us sometime so looking forward to that as well yeah, does he have a son down there uh, no no okay alrighty guys well we'll we'll see you again soon Steve and uh, Jason hope to see you again soon also amen praise the Lord All thanks right. a lot Eric. see you guys next time take This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.